Bonnie, cut it out. You're a big girl. This is not the end of the world. No, it's just the same goddamn world that we had in Washington, only it's worse. Look, everything that was on the right... Hello and welcome to the Lone Acting Nominees Podcast, a show where I'm joined each week by a guest to discuss a movie that only received one Oscar nomination, that being for one of its performances. We'll talk about the performance in question, the movie as a whole, and its place in the Oscar race, among other things. I'm Gordon McNulty, and this week I am joined for the conclusion of our Jessica Lange miniseries uh, by Will Steele to discuss Jessica Lange's Oscar-winning performance in the 1994 film Blue Sky. Will, once again, thank you so much for joining me on this this journey. Oh, thank you for having me. And here we are at the end of this monumental journey with an Oscar win, which yeah. isn't always the case with this podcast. It's often a nomination without a win, um, but this one made it all the way. So it feels like a fitting conclusion. Yeah, yeah. It's in, a, in the same way that like, last year's miniseries when i did 2006 best actor i just did them alphabetically but that means forrest whitaker was last and so mm. it, it was like a nice sort of conclusion to that and here we're going chronologically and we also conclude with a win it's a nice little like like there's a story here the, the, it feels like it's we're following a narrative and i do want to talk I mean, we're going to talk about how and why she won for this because like we're doing a podcast on it that's worth talking about but what we're here for yeah yeah it's an interesting one. I had not seen this before until just now before, ah. before recording here. So it's a, it's a weird one. It is. It is. And I think quite a famous bad win, if I yeah. if I can call it that, you know, to use the sort of, we discussed in the last episode, like what are the worst Oscar nominated performances? And I think this is often cited as one of the worst wins. Um, whether that's true or not, we can get into, but I think it's definitely notable for being a infamous win in a way yeah. in a very, very strong year of cinema, but a very, very weak best actress field. Yes. Nominees. So. And we will be getting into all of that. So we are talking Absolutely. about Blue Sky from 1994, kind of uh, directed by Tony Richardson, uh, written by Rama, Lori Stagner, Arlene Sarner, and Jerry Leichtling. Leichtling. Uh, stars Jessica Lange, Tommy Lee Jones, Powers Booth, Carrie Snodgrass, Amy Locane, Chris O'Donnell, and Anna Klemp. Uh, it premiered August 24th, 1994 in New York, played the Toronto uh, International Film Festival that September on the 9th, and then on the 16th of September, it released in the US. I don't think this got a very wide release, Obviously, we'll get into Orion and all of the the backstory there as to why this movie came out when it came out and how it came out. Uh, but before we get into any of that, let us talk once again about Miss Jessica Lange here. Uh, where where do you want to start off with this performance? I mean, where, yeah, where to begin? It's a lot. It's a big capital A acting performance and in some ways in a cynical way you can see why she won the oscar but she yeah. is very much i think the thing that struck me a lot which i don't know whether this is a bit of a stretch but she is very much giving a marilyn monroe-esque performance i don't know if you picked up on this i 
read a few reviews and by read a few reviews i mean read on wikipedia different reviews from the time that that compared who to compared her to marilyn monroe and also bridget bardot who gets named in this movie Uh, i don't think marilyn ever gets name dropped but it's very clear that that's the visual influence but Mm -hmm. like just because she has curly blonde hair and sometimes does a breathy voice doesn't i like visually yes very inspired by marilyn monroe acting wise i don't see it at all i like this is like like i there are other precedents for like i would say like jenna rollins or going further Mm -hmm. back someone like like maybe kind of a shelly winters a little bit Mm -hmm. like earlier Mm -hmm. shelly winters's career uh elizabeth taylor who also gets name dropped at the end of this Mm -hmm. movie but like I don't know why so many people said it's just like she's giving a Marilyn Monroe performance who like gave one dramatic, like like one legitimate, serious, dramatic performance that's remembered today in The Misfits. Which one? Oh, uh, The Misfits, yes, yes. Which is a very good performance. And there there are shades of that. But like when you say Marilyn Monroe and you're trying, like a Marilyn Monroe performance Mm-hmm. This isn't the type of character. I I don't know what people were on about saying. No, no. I think it's entirely um like the way she looks and the way she's styled. But it's it's also feeding into an idea of who Marilyn Monroe was. Maybe this sort of you know as you will eventually do with blonde, like this this idea of a woman who is incredibly fraught, but incredibly like this facade who under the surface has all these. Uh, demons you know I think it's tapping into that idea and it's very much exploiting the early 60s late 50s iconography of the Marilyn Monroe style of hair and dress she's very much styled like her with the blonde and the 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 dresses she's wearing but I think if to to pursue my point just I think it's tapping into that idea of Marilyn Monroe in the way that say Judy was tapping into the idea of Judy Garland very much in a sort of masquerading as this iconic queer icon who or maybe an icon that just happens to appeal to a queer audience to the point where um, an Oscar winner for best supporting actress ends up winning a lead acting Oscar for playing effectively the type who we are very frustrated that we never even gave an Oscar. And I think there's a slight parallel, obviously a stronger parallel with the one I'm alluding to, which is Renee Selweger. But I think there is something of the Marilyn Monroe iconography that they are um, digging into in this film that then reoccurs in the Oscar year where they're almost maybe giving it a bit more credit because of the Marilyn Monroe essence that is at play. I'm not saying it's um, warranted, but it definitely yeah. existed and it definitely helped the film. I think without it, this would be without a cultural sticking point that you could hit it yeah, to. This doesn't have a cultural sticking point. Oh, and it has movie. no footprint. Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's it's very much forgotten. I mean, Blue Sky, no one's really heard of it. And even if you say, well, it won an Oscar for acting, I don't think many people, you know, who have a general knowledge of the Oscars would remember this one. Yeah. Even like people that were around, like watching movies. Like, I want to look up the box. I did not look at the box office for this. Oh, movie. it's poor. It's really, really low. Not like, even three and a half million domestic. Yeah, no, no that's a. 
That's tough. That's real tough. Yeah. yeah. So what did you think of this film, having just seen it? I, well, to start off with her performance. Mm-hmm. Shall we dive right in? Yes. Yeah. Let's, talking about the performance, uh, you you mentioned something that like it it is hitting a lot of like the things that they like in a performance that like the academy likes, and I mm-hmm. did like write down that like she dances and she cries and she screams and she has issues with her husband and with her kids and she goes topless and like all of these things that you can point to as like in some way the academy likes it when an actress does this because it shows that she's daring she's stepping outside of like whatever box or whatever but it really does feel like so many of those things are there for the sake of well other movies do this other this <laughs> is like the trope that you do in a movie like this you have to have infidelity and mental instability and it's all in service of a movie that I think is kind of barely a movie. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. when you actually look at it, like from like you take a step back and look at it as a movie, it doesn't really work or function to any degree. It like it changes the movie that it is so many times over the course of a relatively short runtime. Yeah. There's just so much going on. And I think, Lang's performance there are there are other movies that I've talked about that that other movies that just exist out there that are the same thing I'm describing but are carried by a strong central performance that like shines through uh like over the course of an otherwise lackluster movie and I just don't think Lang's performance here is consistent enough for me to look past some of those shortcomings on the script level, or just on the level of it being a movie. I think she's kind of out of her element here. Mm. Mm. It, it feels like this character is so impossible. Like, like this isn't yeah. a, like she's so, I don't even know. I don't even really know how to describe what I'm trying to say. Like, she's not playing a person she's playing a bunch of stock tropes that have worked in other movies about similar things and i don't think her performance is strong enough to support the movie around her sort of flailing yeah it's a difficult one because the film like the other films we've discussed is so dependent on jessica lang but it doesn't really know who she is. Yeah. So it's really coasting off her ability to tackle and make best of the material she's given, which she does incredibly admirably and also draws upon all this existing iconography of Bridget Bardot and Marilyn Monroe. So in that, she has a bit of a crutch because she's drawing on something familiar. But yeah, the film itself is presenting a it's sort of setting up a quite a, a relatively interesting story and then sort of stripping, sort of taking it all the way back and making a very, very simple end of what begins as a relatively compelling story. So kind and of. it really does just end with her. Like it strips away all the characters as well. So it's just her. Yeah. And not exactly acting in character as to the character that's been presented in the first two acts. Yeah. I, so, I mean, 
Yeah. It does set up that semi-interesting story about a, a soldier and his unstable, flirty wife. Mm-hmm. But, like, the payoff for that, like, it, it comes so quickly into the movie. And a scene that could have worked with more build-up to this character the scene where they get to the new place and she has this breakdown and she's throwing all this furniture around and she mm. goes and runs out to the car and drives out and goes to a dress store and sort of like just sort of walks around it until Tommy Lee Jones shows up and, and corrals her back home. Like if you have that in like your second or third act of your movie where you have more of a like, the this performance sort of simmering and then it comes to that boiling point that could be a scene that works and it happens less than 20 minutes into this movie and mm-hmm. then never reaches those same heights like you're mm-hmm. trying to present this character as ostensibly this is a character piece about an unstable woman who has a husband that like by his job of of being this like nuclear tester for the army is away a lot has two kids that resent her like this should be a character study about her instability and about her Mm -hmm. like coping with yet another move to another new place and all this stuff and you get that scene very early on and then it they do touch on it every now and then otherwise but they never get to that point again. And it feels like such wasted potential of the things you can do with a story like this about a character like this. It feels like they don't know, like it's that for a little bit. And then it becomes a like infidelity thing with powers booth and his wife. And like, everyone knows that. And like, that also doesn't have any tension because it's also out in the open and like, why is everyone scandalized about it? He was grabbing her ass in front of everyone at that dance. And then it turns into like conspiracy thriller where Tommy Lee Jones is getting sedated by the government for uh, leaking some secret or like whatever. And then it's over. And she, and to show, to demonstrate that Jessica Lang has changed and is no longer mentally unwell she has brown hair now and mm-hmm. isn't she normal and isn't she okay because Tommy Lee Jones isn't in army anymore and he, he got a job in a... the yeah he got a job in the private sector so eventually the the resolution is abandon uh public service and go and work for the private sector and yeah he's like a university teacher benefit. now right yeah oh yeah it's but well it's based on a real story isn't it so that's sort of alluded to but yeah i think at the end of the day like this is a really interesting subject as in the setting of it being within these military communities where they're testing nuclear weapons and having to be very hush hush but having these very sort of practical you know quote-unquote nuclear families you know set around these military bases a bit like the kind of um nuke town you get in indiana jones you know the fourth one that everyone hates you know it's very much picturesque white picket fences but populated with real human beings but that are families of the army um yeah and there's definitely something interesting here and it's interesting that the film situates it from the perspective largely of jessica lang but you wonder whether there's a better way to tell the story and it's maybe 
showing the family as equals rather than you know isolating one person as the sort of lead like Jessica Lang and you can almost imagine a sort of Fableman's-esque story from the perspective of the children being moved from base to base you know of this fractious parental relationship and the nuclear secrets going on and the infidelity all seen through a child's eyes but they're very much secondary or tertiary to the drama at stake but they definitely come into it the, the kids um, yeah. of which Jessica Lang is a yeah you know her mother her motherhood status is never that clear even though in this very very um you know sort of old-fashioned way she is a housewife and a mother first and foremostly yet she seems to be presented as a failure at both because she's you know unfaithful but also you know fit to flights of fancy and going off and having breakdowns but something that i think on paper this film is very much like she is a woman on the verge of a, a nervous breakdown as you know almodovar would say she is not as fractious as i remember in memory and then i watch yeah. it and i'm like i feel like this is fairly understandable considering the situation you're in you know being moved unsettled and uprooted every 12 months to go to a different community where everyone dislikes you because you look like Bridget Bardot or you style yourself on her. And I don't know, there's, there's something a bit more understandable about this character that I found upon second watching that I found did benefit Lang in my mind. I'm like, well, you know, she's, she is doing an incredible job with very, very thin, but demanding material. Thing is, I don't know if that's intentional, that like understandability. Mm. I think the character is supposed to be like a Jenna Rollins in A Woman Under the Influence type sort of like live wire. Like that's yeah. what the movie is going for. And it just abandons that so quickly in in favor of a plot I don't care about uh, some whatever the the conspiracy section of the movie is really just all over the place and mm. and not hard to follow, just hard to be interested in. Yeah. Uh, because it sort of pops up at the end and then is gone. It just gets dealt with. With well, Powers Booth got fired and Tommy Lee Jones quit. So that's the end of that. And the government is A-OK because Powers Booth is gone. Um, and I, I think it's a... like that. That kind of speaks to my issues with the performance is that she is believably, you know, not unstable. She is believably stable by the end of the movie and by pretty early on in the movie because she's not supposed, like, the character isn't supposed to be. Like, the logline for the movie is that she's the unstable, flirtatious wife of an army man who's kind of distant. Uh, mm. And that doesn't get paid off in the movie. Like the, the, it so quickly abandons any intrigue that it could have gotten out of that. And every once in a while, it'll flirt with it again of like, Oh, well she's dancing in front of Tommy Lee Jones at this party and she's being all sexy. And then he tries to bring her in. She pushes him away and then starts dancing again. And then he throws her in the pool. And that's the end of that. And oh yeah, yeah. 
it's just a movie that is very inconsistent in terms of what it wants to be about and what it wants her character to be. And I think Lang's performance is just in over her head. It feels like it feels like she is kind of at a loss for what to do with this character. Is she supposed to be big? Is she supposed to be small? Is she supposed to like, I don't know. There's just a lot of moments also of her in the breakdown scenes where she is yelling or pausing and then saying a lot of things really quickly under her breath. And isn't that so dramatic? And a lot of it just feels like, well, this is cinematic shorthand for characters that are mentally unwell. And Mm. it doesn't really feel like her performance rises above that ever. It, it, I I don't know. I I don't know really how to verbalize some of my issues with that side of things. It just feels very simple. Mm. And I don't think the movie is trying to be simple. I think it's trying to uh, aspire to higher greatness and it is just falling flat. Yeah. I think something that the film does succeed in and is largely Lang is throughout her career which we've charted through these episodes is she is presented as a sexual presence um but she's very rarely in charge of her sexual agency like in films like say her debut king kong she's very much a sex object she is the sort of plaything of king kong and she's um presented in this very sort of um way in which we have to observe her and she's she isn't given much character um not that we covered that but then she's you know things like tootsie she is a sexual prospect for dustin hoffman and you know the other films we covered maybe she's not presented in first and foremostly a sexual light but here she is both a sexual being but she has total agency and control of her sexuality or at least a lot more Kinda. than any other. Yeah, I know she's she's say if you have the clash of powers booth, say taking advantage of her. I think the way she's presented, at least from the start, is that she is in control of her body and she is, I don't know, outgoing and she'll defy the sort of rules and ex- expectations of other men to be a freer agent than she is presented. Kind of. But also the movie, like, the it definitely feels... I mean, a lot of the characters in this movie are judging her for being so sexually yeah. open. And it doesn't really feel like the movie ever questions that or challenges that. Like, it, well, it, it, like, I mean, again, I take it back to the fact that by the end of the movie she is all better and the way they make her all better is making her not a blonde anymore that feels like very loaded i mean she's still compared to elizabeth taylor elizabeth taylor who was very much a you know sexual sort of you know yeah not an object but a a sexual icon of that you know bridging the 50s the 60s she's very much a but it's there's still a a deliberate choice behind having her hair change and like what that reads to reads as at least to me is like well she's learned her lesson about being a slut and so now she's all better by by being a brunette that 
you know, takes the passenger seat in this car and lets Tommy Lee Jones drive them all away. And... Oh, I I don't think so. I think it's new hairstyle, new army base. I know she, he's going into the private sector. I just think the same thing's going to happen over and over again. I, maybe. I, I, I would agree with that if I thought the movie was, I guess, smart enough to to, to hint imply that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It's yeah. very much like, I mean, here's your does... nice, you know, ending. Yeah, she does flirt a little bit with Chris O'Donnell, but that's in more of a playful, like, oh, well, you're my daughter's boyfriend, so... You know, this as, as you know. do, you know, when your yeah. mom flirts with your partner, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's it's this movie's all over the place, and I don't know what it's trying to do with her character, because again, she has this big breakdown at the be- well, not that's not the very beginning. The very beginning of the movie is her, you know, on Swimming. the beach, uh, uh, topless sunbathing, showing off for all these guys in the helicopters, including her husband. Uh, putting on a show for them just on the beach and then right away cutting to Tommy Lee Jones getting reprimanded for that and then him going home to her with a bunch of just European men all crowding around her and that's like the it again I don't know if this movie is judging her or not for all of that because it's like Powers Booth is definitely viewed as an asshole for sleeping with her but and but i i don't know i think that's why in some way she is an agent of that you know she's very much in the in the mode of the time being judged as a sort of floozy you know as a loose woman but at the end of the day she is defiant in adhering to the very specific gender norms of the time of being a sort of modest housewife and she's being very flirtatious i don't know there's something to it but, that is but then to take it back from that like because she slept with powers booth that directly leads to tommy lee jones getting court-martialed and sedated and like the whole family gets uprooted and punished for her sexual indiscretion yes and but if... i think it's reflected badly on hit powers booth not her because I think he comes on to, you know, very, very In the movie, but I don't know. I just think this movie wants to have its cake and eat it too about presenting her as a sexual character, but also like judging her very moralistically for having sex and yeah, for and like of, flirting of with other men. It's working and, like, it, within... it's the time frame you know it's 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 yeah trying the to movie's being those... made in 1990 like but also i think this confusion maybe from character and narrative and the, the sort of obstacles we're having this is a film that is if you believe if you subscribe to the auteur theory you know that the um director is the author this is a director that made the film died shortly after shooting and then this film came out three years after his death like maybe that confusion is between you know it's fascinating to wonder what the film was intended to be and then the film we get maybe two very different things or it was ill-conceived from the start but it's interesting to wonder maybe he had a very clear vision or a, a very muddled vision but what we get is yes i won't deny it is confused i think there's there's something about these films that, you know, having reviewed again for the series, I tend to just find the 
the positives where before only I saw gaping, horrible negatives. And um, Blue Sky is one where I think the performance has um, b- become better to me, you know, in my mind. However, I, I may not defend it as a best actress winning performance, but I think it's not without merit. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's some good stuff, I guess, here and there. I, I I don't hate the performance. I don't think it's a terrible performance. I just think it's it's not her best. It's not very good. It's not You don't bad. think it's good? I don't okay. think it's a very good performance. I, I think it's a performance that is kind of on autopilot of just being a, a melodrama of this particular style and Lang isn't bringing much to rise above that and oh, it, I, I think she is can you imagine someone else doing it better yeah i'm I, I i don't have a specific name off the top of my head for for this era but like i mean not to once again invoke this name i think meryl streep would have been very yeah. good in this performance i think she could handle like a a very muddled and a, a script that is hard to follow the the through line of what we're supposed to be feeling and what we're supposed to think about this character. I think Streep could carry that to a degree. Yeah. To, to even I, some degree. Of, I don't think of, she can do sort of sultry sexuality in the way that Lang can do it. Yeah, I I just feel like mm. the way that's handled in this movie is also not the best. It, 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 no. I don't know. I just I, didn't like I, this one in general. Yeah. And I think Lang is is the victim of being in a movie that has a very bad script and like direction that is not sure how to handle having a bad script. And so as a mm-hmm. result, she is working with bad material and lackluster direction and it reads in the performance there there's there's things here that just don't work fundamentally for me yeah i think as a script and as a film there's nothing that stands out directorially or um through the dialogue that um is in any way exceptional and it would probably end up being quite cliche you know you could definitely levy that criticism against this film in both the dialogue and the direction however the situation, like the story, is somewhat interesting. However, that is partly biographical and therefore not subject to a huge amount of creative, you know, imagination because it's it's based on someone's um, sort of relationship with their parents and their actual upbringing. So, yeah, the sort of commendable aspects of this film are realistic, to an extent, even though that's that seems silly when you watch this film, because it doesn't feel like it takes place in any form of reality. But um, yeah, other than the Oscar nomination, I think if this had not received it or won, um, this would be a we wouldn't absolutely talk about forgotten film. I mean, as yeah. we've been saying about all these films, really, but there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing to cling on to in this film that puts it yeah. above any film that came out in 1994 a really good year for cinema relatively yeah. you know yeah i don't know i just i also don't, don't i just don't 
have much to say about Lang here. Okay, well, why I suggest we move on to the film if if we're done, because there is a lot of twists and turns to the film. There is. I, I just once again, I do want to go through what her career oh, of was course. in yes, between yes. Music Box and this. Oh, yes, because it's it's actually very interesting. I think this is the most interesting inter-nomination period of her career that we will cover, apart from from this until whenever she next gets nominated. Yeah. Uh, so she makes three movies in, well, she probably makes one movie in between Music yeah. Box and this. But yeah. there are three movies that she makes that are released in between Music Box and this. Uh, one of them is Men Don't Leave, which I haven't seen. I don't know much about. But Chris O'Donnell no. is also in that one. Apparently. Oh. Uh, as it looks like her son uh, or one of her sons. Uh, mm. Cape Fear, which... Oh, iconic. Yeah, she's very good in. I haven't seen that one in a while, but she's very yeah, good it... in that. I did want to rewatch it, and it's one of those films that is very often on streaming here. Like we have, um, like channels like cable or whatever you call it, and they bank a lot of their films for the next thirty days, and that's one that's just always on TV. So I was hoping I could rewatch it, but I have the DVD way back at home, and I didn't want to stream it because I just thought it's a great film and I'd like to rewatch it, but. I did rewatch, oh, for the first time, watch her next film after Cape Fear, which she also made with De Niro, The Night and the City. Yeah, I don't know anything about this one. Uh, it's it... oh, bizarre. Irvin Winkler is the director, 1992, starring Robert De Niro and Jessica Lange. Um, it's a remake of a Jules Dassin film, which is a noir film from 1950, starring Richard Widmark and Jean Tierney, I believe. Um I imagine the original is tons better. This is a not particularly great film starring Robert De Niro. I watched it on his 80th birthday, so it felt... <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, a good occasion. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, he's really given it his all, but there's no depth to this character. It's a weird phase for De Niro where he's sort of transitioning from his post-Cape Fear into his um, meet the parents, you know, like just slowly giving less and less fucks as he goes along yeah um and cashing those checks um easier and easier but um Jessica Lange is really terrific in it but it's a film with a lot of other good performances like from um oh Jack Warden is very good in it people like that you know um she's fine but she she kind of gets shafted and I think a lot of people saw it and thought her career is kind of over if this is the kind of role she's getting then it's good, but it's nothing like she's done. So with Blue Sky on the Horizon two years later, which was filmed two years before, um, you know, she, her career's in a really precarious stage there where if you were Lang, you'd be wondering, is this it? Um, whereas, you know, in hindsight, we can go, well, two years time, you win an Oscar for Best yeah. Lead Actress for a film you made two years ago and you thought would never come out. So wild to put yourself back 30 years ago and wonder how she must have felt very very wild uh and because you know we're talking about the the time difference of when this movie was shot and then when it came out do we want to use that to move into talking about the rest of the movie and talk about orion first and absolutely yeah lead lead the way 
Okay. She's got to see somebody. You can't keep running after her and playing babysitter. And... Your mom is fine. She's spirited. She's energetic. Sometimes she wears herself out with all the traveling, moving. Don't worry about it. I can handle your mom. We can all handle each other's problems. But Dad, we didn't move here just because of the project you're working on. You don't know what project I'm working on. That's classified. You don't know a thing about it, do you? Well, maybe you and Mom want to live in your own little world of make-believe and secrets, but we don't. So this... Like we've been saying, this movie was shot uh, very early 1990. It was from May to July of 1990. This movie was shot, or may- maybe June. I-, I don't remember, but like early 1990. Mm. Uh, it gets finished, like like edited, finished, completed in 1991. And oh, wow. then Tony-, Tony Richardson dies in November of 1991. Uh, and in December of 1991, Orion files for bankruptcy. Uh, they had had some really poor box office despite winning back-to-back best picture with Dances with Wolves and Silence of the Lambs. They oh. just were doing really poorly financial financially. So like in 1990, along with Dances and Wolves, they had Mermaids and Alice and State of Grace and The Hotspot and Robocop 2 and Miami Blues and Cadillac Man and Navy Seals and... Not a lot that was doing well at the box office. Like, other than Dances with Wolves, their highest grossing movie of that year uh, was the U.S. distribution for a movie called The First Power that I've never heard mm. of. It looks, it looks like that, that was. Uh, and then 1991, Silence of the Lambs makes a lot of money. But then other than that, it's like co-production with Adam's Family does well. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey does well also as a co-production. Little Man Tate makes like 25 million and that's the best they have of their like seven or eight movies of that year. So they filed for mm-hmm. bankruptcy in 1991. Uh, and they have just like a bunch of movies sitting on the shelf that they dole out over the next few years while they're in bankruptcy. They have Love Field, which they put out the next year, which gets Michelle Pfeiffer a nomination, put a pin in that. I want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of movies you've never heard of movies that didn't do well a movie called me and the kid that made $60,000 at the box office uh, Robocop 3 which is a disappointment it only makes like 10 million uh, for being Robocop 3 mm. car, 52, or car 54 where are you which is like a notorious failure Clifford oh. which does okay <gasps> for, for that Clifford the one where Martin Short plays a child yeah. But which is also a co-production with like four other studios. Oh. Uh, Blue Sky is in here nestled in between There Goes My Baby, which makes $123,000. And then nothing. Nestled in between There Goes My Baby and nothing. Because this <laughs> is this was their last one that they had. Uh, and then they, in 1996 is when they get bought out and they put out a few... Uh, they have U.S. distribution on movies that were produced elsewhere uh, that you've also never heard of, something called The Arrival, something called Fat Beach. Uh, mm. And then, yeah, by 97, they they come back for a little bit. They do Yuli's Gold. They do oh, yeah. Phantasm Four, Behind Enemy Lines. And then they're gone until 2013. They're back. Whoa. And with uh, what in with, 2013? Uh, something called 
Grace Unplugged. It's a Christian drama film, which is also a co-production. Like everything they've put out since then is co-productions. It looks like, at least for the most part. Uh, And then last year they got another Best Picture nomination with Women Talking. So no way. For them at least. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. What a checkered checkered history for Orion. And it's Orion is one where... I think you'll probably have it and many of the listeners will, where you can picture the logo as you hear Orion. Yes. It's like that dun 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 dun. Isn't it like like it makes an O with the like it makes it the like the Orion the white, like the stars. Yeah, the, the yeah. constellation. And maybe there's a bit of a did it's maybe not did 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 but it's a bit like yeah, maybe a bit of a little jingle as it comes in. Yeah. Yeah, and I think did you want to put a pin in for way later with the love field or pull that pin? Uh, we can pull that now because I, I just want to go through uh, like they have on the Wikipedia page for Orion Pictures under notable films. They have just a grid of all of their movies that were Oscar nominated in above the line uh, categories. Uh, so you go from The Great Santini, A Little Romance, Arthur, Prince of the City, Amadeus, their first best picture win, Broadway, mm-hmm. Danny Rose, Purple Rose of Cairo, Platoon, their second best picture win. Hannah and her sisters, Hoosiers, Radio Days, Throw Mama from the Train, Bull Durham, Mississippi, Burning, Married to the Mob, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Alice, Dances with Wolves, their next uh, Best Picture win, Silence of the Lambs, their fourth Best Picture win, Love Field, Blue Sky, Yuli's Gold, and then Women Talking, all the way wow. 25 years later. But just the ru- that run is kind of wild for not even like 15 years from Great Santini up through, well, I guess 15 years exactly from Great Santini up to Blue Sky. Yeah. Uh, In um, which they win three or four best pictures? Four Four? of them. Yeah. Amadeus, Platoon, Dances with Wolves, Silence of the Lambs, and then they go bankrupt. That's in like a seven-year period if you chart 84 to 91 as well. Yeah. Or like eight years. That's wild. So they win every... One out of two years for eight years, basically. It's very strange. It's very strange. Amazing. Yeah. Really yeah, very good for them. Surprising they went bankrupt so soon, but it seems like they spread themselves too thin. And yeah. Yeah. And, th- and they've got their fingers in a lot of Woody Allen pies there, you know, with Broadway Denny Rose. Yeah, sorry. And uh, <laughs> Rosa Cairo. Sorry for yeah. evoking that imagery, but you know, Hannah and yeah, so, as well. Which is a very reliable Oscar. You know, they were going for Woody Allen yeah. every year, you know, from Annie Hall to Alice. Oh, no, no, beyond, I suppose. They even had, uh, uh, what, what's the 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 one that, like, really nobody talks about? Night like, night and Fog. Yes, they even had uh, Shadows and Fog. Shadows and Fog, that's Night and Fog is the Holocaust documentary. Yes, uh, Shadows and Fog was another one that they put out uh, alongside Love Field ah. and and, and yeah. that year, but like nobody talks about that one, even among yeah. the Woody Allen movies that nobody talks about. Even though it's actually very interesting from like a stylistic point of view, because it's evoking like 20s expressionism. It's a bit more adventurous as a Woody Allen film. Um, not that I've seen all of his films, but yeah. yeah. Um, to bring it back to Michelle Pfeiffer for Love Field. Yes, um, yes, please. And this kind of already even dips into Oscar conversation, but I just want to pose this to you as sort of a like proof of purchase for why we're even doing this as a miniseries, as like a like a uh, answer to my hypothesis that they really wanted to give Jessica Lange another Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they put out Love Field in 1992 because that's a they view, view it as like a sparse best actress year and they managed to get a nomination for Michelle Pfeiffer. They mm-hmm. do it again two years later with Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang wins. If they were switched, if they put Lang, if they put out Blue Sky in 1992 and Love Field in 1994, I don't think Lang wins in 92 because nobody's beating Emma Thompson. But I also mm. don't think Michelle Pfeiffer wins. No. And I think like for two movies that like got good reviews-ish at the time, I think Blue Sky was better reviewed than Love Field was, but like yeah. not movies that people were rushing out to see. They both made under three and a half million. Like Love Field only made a little over one million. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the narrative of Jessica Lang leading up to this point, the in the, the 12 years since her, she's been an Oscar favorite since her first win. Uh, they really wanted to give her a Best Actress Oscar. Mm-mm. As we've tracked through now four episodes of movies nobody saw uh, that weren't really didn't really have a presence that she still manages to get a Best Actress nomination for. I think they just really wanted to give Jessica Lange an Oscar. And I don't think this win has anything to do with this performance and has everything to do with Jessica Lang being Jessica Lang. Okay, so that's your hypothesis. Yes. I agree to an extent, but I also think it does play into the field this year and yes. there was not a better performance to... Because it. say if we want to compare it to a modern example, and I know this is jumping the gun a little bit, but Glenn Close was an actress we really wanted to give an Oscar to And yet in that year, we were so ready to give her an Oscar for a lackluster film. But then at the last minute, the Academy realized there was a incredible performance in the same field and they rewarded that instead. The trouble is in this year, there wasn't anything really to contend with it. They were all quite flimsy narratives for actresses. Hollywood did want to anoint an award you know, long-time people like Sarandon or, you know, up-and-comers like Winona Ryder. But I think the the narrative beat, it won because it was the strongest. Um, I, I maybe, I mean, and you've heard my thoughts on this performance. Uh, I, don't, I feel like, again, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in Love Field, a movie I haven't seen, to be fair. So okay, I can't okay. speak to the quality difference uh if there is any i i know there is there is yeah i just know that both of those performances generally have very bad reputations nowadays nobody really goes to bat for either well you're going to bat for jessica lang in blue sky (laughs) i will and i will not for love field i will not for love field i think that's a really poor film from an actress i absolutely prefer to Jessica Lange I love Michelle Pfeiffer I have such affection for her and I do really like Jessica Lange but no that film would be an egregious win whereas I feel like this is a under at least you can understand the method behind the madness I think I know. but maybe you can't but I can I don't know I, don't know. I just again I, I don't think Pfeiffer would have won this I think something else would have something would have changed in the narrative who knows? We, we'll we'll talk about that later. I just I can't see a world where this is Pfeiffer's Oscar. No, and who knows what would happen with Jessica Lange? I think she would have somewhere later on down the line won 
a Best Actress Oscar later. And obviously, as we've Maybe. seen, Michelle Pfeiffer has not. So, a tragedy. Yes. A crime. Yeah. But yeah, so in the wider film, is there particular things you want to touch on? Because this is a wild film. Like It is. Know, a strange win for Jessica Lang. It's a, a weird film that I think is at least fun. Uh, there's... <laughs> There is a fun moment. And okay. it's what fun moment? Uh Amy Locaine throwing the grenade at Chris O'Donnell just playfully. Yes. And then he yes. tosses it out and it explodes. And just like what's I uh, why is any of this mo- like it's just playing on so many clichés, especially in the the third act is off the rails. The third act where Tommy Lee Jones is getting medically sedated by the the army for kind of speaking out against this nuclear testing. And so he's you know, borderline uh, nonverbal when they go to visit him. And so Jessica Lang just drives nonstop out to Nevada on a hunch, I guess. I don't even really know what instigates it. She just decides... Oh, it's the, it's the like, cowboys, isn't it? The cowboys that got caught up in the test and then she read the files. Yeah, but like... How, then... Oh, yeah, I guess she does read the files. Okay, yeah. No, that, it's not as out of nowhere. Um, I literally just watched the movie and I didn't remember that. <laughs> uh, right. But, like, it all just concludes so neatly to... Mm. Like, all... Like, the Powers Booth stuff is engaging to a degree earlier on like the infidelity aspect is not entirely poorly handled i think there is some intrigue to that but it goes away very quickly and then gets settled very it's very pat it's a very pat ending where pat film i think yeah yeah but like powers booth calls like oh you need to discharge tommy lee jones uh, because I said so, because Jessica Lang found out. And then he, you know, says something to Chris O'Donnell, and Chris O'Donnell has a whole big speech about, like, I'm not proud to be your son anymore, Dad. You lied to me about Tommy Lee Jones being a traitor. I disown you as my dad. They're my family now. And then Powers Booth gets fired for that, I guess. And it's just over and it just ends. And it's, I like, I, this movie did not hold my attention very much. By the end of it, I was, I was really sort of doing other things, which is not great for, for a movie that is supposed to be holding my attention in this setting, because I'm supposed to be taking notes on it for the podcast. But like, I, I just couldn't. Yeah. I just couldn't well, I, bring myself to. Well, I think something that potentially salvaged this film for me, and I've seen it twice. You know, you you've gone through the the you've trudged through it for the first time, and the second time it you've got to appreciate that. I'm not going to watch for the this strangeness, the second time. You will. will. You watch it on your birthday every year, <laughs> the rest I'm, of your life. I'm not um, going to no. do that. <laughs> well, if Jessica Lang asked you to, you would, and she said, "I'll watch it with you." Oh, you yeah. have to oblige her or Tommy Lee Jones. But anyway, I think yeah. something that does make this film watchable is the performances from the whole cast. So obviously we watched it for Lang, but I think Tommy Lee Jones, who we need to maybe hunker down into a little bit, 
is really good in this film for what he's given. Would you agree? I don't know if I agree about that either. There's oh, some no. parts where his line readings feel kind of stilted of him. Like, he's on the same level the whole time. And, like, that's what we go to a Tommy Lee Jones performance for. We want him to be this stoic. But, like, yeah. he reacts the same way to Jessica Lang having a breakdown and running out of the house as he does to her, you know, kissing Powers Booth at the dance as he does to his kids not knowing the lyrics to Camptown Races as he does but, to driving no, off into the, like... No, the, but the thing with the dance is you think he's going to get mad about the him being cucked, but actually it's that he's like, no, it's about the program. Like, I have to tell you something about the nuclear program. So you think he's getting annoyed at that, and he obviously is, but he's very ded- he's a very dedicated serviceman. And I think there's... He's trying to kind of like, you know, keep this family together with a very unstable, unstable, unstable partner. You know, he's trying to keep that level of, you know, I've got to be this, this rock, this presence for this family. And he, he, he's, he's doing Tommy Lee Jones. We've seen Tommy Lee Jones at a very narrow range sometimes being very much that, you know, very sturdy, unmoving unemotional character but he is at least singing with his children and he goes to a point where he's incredibly sedated and sewing purses and he's very you know spaced out this is like the most range i think i've ever seen tlj give other than maybe when he's like brainwashed in men in black too you know yeah i i mean he's not bad i don't think there's necessarily i, I weirdly think he's better than Lang. I think I'm maybe with you on that at least. Okay, okay. At least I think, we, there, yeah. there we go. I just don't know if it's in service of anything. Because again, these well, characters, yeah. these aren't characters. The, these are just like, I don't even, again, I'm sorry. I'm like really not saying the things I'm, I'm trying in. to, no, no, to no, say no. in this one. I think I it's, just... it's, a, it's a puzzling film and I think it's left you underwhelmed and it's you, you don't want to try kind of battered me down. You don't believe in. You kind yeah. of battered me down. Like, yeah. I think I found the slight positives in it from watching yeah. it again. But at the same time, like, I think it's a testament to these performers that on performance alone, they're giving something compelling from a incredibly troubled, you know, release and a production that, you know, began with a director and entered theatres with him being dead for three years. You know, it's, it's a really muddled and strange thing where at the end of the day, you're just kind of amazed that it came out slightly um, coherent, I think. Yeah. So in that, I read the power of the actors. And I think TLJ is fascinating for, to think that Tommy Lee Jones, when he made this, had no Oscar nominations. And by the time it came out, he had been nominated and he had won for a, a different film than his first nomination, you know, yeah. comes out in that window. And he is fully anointed by the time it comes out. But I, in a world where Jessica Lange gets nominated for this, he should also be nominated. Yet the best actor field is so much more competitive in 94 than the best actress. Yeah. Field. Speaking of the power of the actors, how do you feel about the powers? The, yeah, the actor of the powers. How do you feel about Powers <laughs> Booth in this? The Booth. Shall we enter the Booth? Um, yes. I think he's really good. And I think it's one of those performances where powers booth is not a, 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 an actor i'm particularly familiar with beyond the avengers and sin city but 
he's one of those actors who is incredibly similar to Tommy Lee Jones, at least in register of voice. They have very yeah. similar voices, which I hadn't noticed until rewatching. But he's he's good at playing a sleaze ball, and yeah, he fits the role very well. You almost can't imagine anyone else doing it. You, you maybe sub in an Ed Harris, and then it becomes a bit more of a conflict but with powers booth you're a bit like i don't like this guy he's a shit yes. and i hope he gets taken down and he does um yeah although you know, tlj hmm? well, what you powers would want booth... a bit of ed harris no i just think powers booth is very handsome in this movie do you oh, yeah okay he's a good looking guy i i also just like don't think i'd ever seen him in anything this young like i'm oh, so used okay. to him being yeah. like a craggy old man mm-hmm. tommy lee jones type that like it, it's oh you used to be handsome He's still got he's still got a real receding hairline, but I can see I can yeah. see, I mean he's he seduces Jessica Lang. He's the sexier option to TLJ. Um, yeah, but that's not saying okay. much. Tommy Lee Jones is like human sandpaper. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. I actually have a Tommy Lee Jones quiz for you. Ooh, okay. Do you want to do it? Sure. We're talking about him. What do we got? <laughs> okay. Do you know what? Okay, so there's five questions. And the first okay. question is, can you name me Tommy Lee Jones's debut film? Oh, his debut. It's I'll something... give you a hint. Okay. Um, it was a Best Picture nominee. Ooh. It's not he'd been in things before Coal Miner's Daughter, right? Uh-huh. Okay. How much before Coal Miner's Daughter is the question? A decade before. Ooh. So 1970, mm-hmm. is it like Love Story or something? It is. That apparently is his debut film. Weird. Weird. Weird film to be nominated for Best Picture. And yeah, apparently Weird. features Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Weird movie to have Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. Can you name his only, the only Best Picture winner to feature Tommy Lee Jones? Uh, no Country for Old Men. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Very correct. Um, can you give me either the quote or the general sentiment of what Tommy Lee Jones said to Jim Carrey in a restaurant oh, during yes. the production of Batman Forever? I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Absolutely. Buffoonery tomfoolery, which I always buffoonery. Okay, it is buffoonery. Okay. I cannot sanction your buffoonery, is what yeah. I've written down. Um, do you know? Who he who Tommy Lee Jones was roommates with at Harvard. I do also know this one. It's Al Gore. It is. It's yeah. vice president under Clinton, yes. Al Gore. He was very narrowly almost the president in 2000. Imagine living in that timeline. Uh, although if don't because it's it's depressing. Um what f- as in depressing that we're not in that one. Yes. Um okay. And here's a bit of a big one, and this is gonna require some tangential oscar knowledge what films or were being discussed when will ferrell and Kristen wig lampooned tommy lee jones at the 2013 golden globes oh yes the the one where they're talking about it's it's best actress in a musical comedy mm-hmm. so there's a film because that hope springs, TLJ. Hope there springs we go. is his uh, Can you name me the other four? Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence wins for Silver Linings Playbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, quartet. Mm-hmm. For for Maggie Smith. 
Indeed. Right? One of the yeah. two unrelated Maggie Smith movies called Quartet. Um, is Best Exotic Marigold Hotel nominated there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for GD. Yeah. And the other one, 2012 musical or comedy. There wasn't a lead for Les Mis uh-uh, that was no. put. 2012. This is a film that also got a best actor in a comedy and musical, and it's the most Globe Seed nomination ever. Oh, huh. This isn't the year of salmon fishing in the Yemen, is it? It is? It is. Salmon fishing in the Yemen. Emily Blunt for salmon fishing in in the Yemen. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. And that's where we get the meme of Tommy Lee Jones just being incredibly stone-faced whilst they're up. I think that's maybe yeah. my favorite award show like announcement. It's a good I can bit. think of. It's so I, good. I don't usually like Will Ferrell or Kristen Wiig necessarily as comedic presences, but it's a good it. bit. Yeah. It's, it's so good. good. Yeah. So good. It's a good bit from them. Uh five out of five, I think, for you on that quiz. So yeah. There you go, uh, TLJ I, quiz. I know me some Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about this movie? Because I got nothing, friend. I mean, Chris O'Connell, is that his name? Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell, who was later in the Batman films with Tommy Lee Jones. With Tommy Lee Jones, the next year, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, before they filmed... Yeah, but yeah, the next release year, yeah. yeah. He's cute, he's nice, and he probably got quite close to an Oscar with Scent of a Woman. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's a little cutie in this, and you you mentioned he's in a film with Jessica Lang in 90 or 91, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Harry Snodgrass is here? She is, of... Um, what's it called? Mad Diary of, Diary, a, Diary of a Mad Housewife. Future episode. Oh, it's a good one. And she says at one point, um, when uh Jessica Lang confronts her about the affair. I Is it the one says, line that I wrote down that I thought was a good line in this movie? You mean just one less Christmas card to me? Exactly. That's the one so thing good. I wrote down so of a line good. that I wrote as a positive. Because other times I wrote lines that like were nothing. Negatives. Yeah. Yeah. Just like uh what is that? I can't even read what I wrote because I wrote it. So- oh, it's when uh, Tommy Lee Jones like tries to grab her at the dress store to bring her home. And she goes, no, you get your goddamn contaminated hands off of me. No, you get your goddamn contaminated hands off me. <laughs> and just like draws it out. And it's, well, again, very over the top in a movie that is under the top. Is that the, what the opposite of that would be? I guess. Under the top, I guess. Un- under, I guess just underwhelmed. I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. But it, it, that one scene is, because it comes so early in the movie, it feels very, I don't know, weird. Um, But yeah, no, I got nothing else. Okay, I do have one thing. Oh, yeah. Um, At one point in the film, which I think is quite entertaining, um the wives of the servicemen have decided to put on a musical and they're all playing every part of a musical and they're doing the pajama games. I don't know if that's said out loud, but um, uh, Jessica Lange's character is playing the lead female role in the pajama games and they're doing Hernando's Hideaway 
with yeah. Carrie Snodgrass um, as Tommy Lee Jones bursts in to confront Powers Booth, which you think is about him having an affair, Powers Booth having an affair with Jessica Lang, but it turns out to be about the nuclear program. But anyway, it's quite an interesting set piece for a relatively uninspired film. Funnily enough, though, Hernando's Hideaway, the song they're doing, is from the Pajamas Game. Pajamas Game, yes, which is a musical, and it is the first musical that Bob Fosse ever did choreography for. Of course, huh. Bob Fosse, who would later go on to have an affair with Jessica Lang, and cast her in All That Jazz, which was a basic biography about, well, not a basic biography, you know, semi-autobiographical fantasy film about his death. Yeah. Um, so it all links it all comes back full circle. to... Yeah. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And it's, yeah. it's probably one of the best scenes of the film. Yeah. I, there aren't many... Aren't, aren't many memorable ones? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was it was well done. It was a well-staged scene of her. I mean, literally staged because it's on a stage. But, literally, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to say about Blue Sky? No, I think uh, I think the comparison at the end of her to Elizabeth Taylor is fortuitous because Elizabeth Taylor, of course, got an Oscar for a pretty derided film in which yeah. people said she was good, but the film was bad. And Jessica Lang almost tempted fate and repeated history 34 years later. Yeah. Uh, my last thoughts on this movie, you could say that because this movie was on the shelf for an extended period of time, you could say, uh, Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide away for so long. <laughs> we love a bit of the yellow. Yes. You know, they used a fire extinguisher. They bashed a fire extinguisher with a hammer for the bits in that where it goes, dung, 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 dung. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know yeah. that. They do it on stage. If you go and see them, they just get a fire extinguisher and start banging it. Huh. That's fun. Great song. One of the best songs. For actress in a leading role, the nominees are Jodie Foster in Nell, <laughs> Jessica Lange in Blue Sky, Miranda Richardson in Tom and Viv, Winona Ryder in Little Women, Susan Sarandon in The Client. And the Oscar goes to Jessica Lang in Blue Sky. thank the Academy so much. This is such a wonderful honor, especially for a little film that seemed to have no future, and uh, it's just such a great honor. I want to thank uh, Orion Films, past and present, <laughs> especially Mark Platt for letting us do this very peculiar little film in the first place, and my dear friend Lynn Harris, the producer who really stuck by the film even when it was sitting on a shelf in a bank vault in New York City. <laughs> um, to the writers, of course, who created a marvelous character. And uh, to the players, a wonderful group of actors that I was fortunate to work with, especially Mr. Tommy Lee Jones. 
who really made the performance that I gave possible. And um, this is really a tribute to Tony Richardson as a... Uh, <laughs> he loved actors, he loved everything about it, he loved the acting, and uh, he was the perfect person for me to work with. He just kept nudging me over the edge, and with a character like this, uh, it's exactly what I needed. And last of all, to my three children, <laughs> who um, make all of this possible with their love and patience. So, thank you very, very much. Okay, so, as far as precursors to talk about, mm -hmm. uh, this, this isn't necessarily what you would expect uh, for a winning performance. She especially nowadays where you get a lot of you know sweepers uh she didn't necessarily show up everywhere or win everywhere where she did get nominated or cited uh at the golden globes she does win jessica langman's for best actress in a drama beating out fellow oscar nominees jodie foster in nell and miranda richardson in tom and viv right mm -hmm. this one's tom and viv it is indeed yeah. it is yes uh, and then also nominated there Meryl Streep for The River Wild and Jennifer Jason Lee for Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle. Mm. Uh, at the inaugural Screen Actors Guild Awards, Jessica Lange mm. is nominated but does not win. She loses to Jodie Foster for Nell. Also nominated, Susan Sarandon in The Client, The Firm. Indeed. Yeah. A lot of the titles client. in here that I, I uh, confuse with other movies. Uh, uh, also nominated there, Meryl Streep again for The River Wild and Meg Ryan for When a Man Loves a Woman. The Los Angeles Film Critics, Jessica Lang wins their Best Actress Prize. National Society of Film Critics, Lang is uh, runner-up to Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, with mm. third place being Linda Fiorentino for The Last Seduction. Chicago right. Film Critics, Jessica Lang is nominated, uh, loses to Jennifer Jason Lee, also nominated Jodie Foster, went on a writer for Little Women, and Linda Fiorentino. Uh, and at the Young Artist Awards, uh, both of the daughters are nominated for Best Young Actress co-starring in a movie. Uh, they lose to Kirsten Dunst for Little Women. Of course. Yeah. Oh, for Little Women. I was going to yeah. say maybe Interview with a Vampire because that's the splashier role. But yeah, but that's not necessarily both. a movie for young audiences. So True, true, true. Yeah, not really going out to see that one as much as Little Women. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it for this movie. No, it's I a... mean, other than the daughters, no citations for anything other than Jessica Lang. Mm -hmm. She wins the Globes, wins Los Angeles, but that's it. That's all she has for her going into this, going into this season. A bit of a classic Lang trajectory, like with most yeah. of the films we've covered. She didn't really get many precursors, but then come nomination morning, she's getting that nom. She's, and in this case, getting that win. Yeah. And she didn't get BAFTA. She, mm. I, I know she's got maybe a BAFTA nomination for Tootsie and Francis. I'm actually going to look that up, what her BAFTA history is. Yeah. I don't think it came up on any of the other ones that we covered. So it might just be Tootsie and that could be it. Or maybe Francis, but... um. Yeah, you know, because BAFTA, we can we can deride BAFTA for making very questionable decisions, but they sometimes make really cool decisions as well. Um, not she was nominated 
for best lead actress for Tootsie, which I think is really cool. I the like following year for for the nineteen eighty three film year, yeah, uh, which she gave... lost to Julie Walters, Julie Walters? for yeah. Educating Rita, of course. Yeah. Rightly so. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So BAFTA, yeah, is not keen on Blue Sky. And I think in 94, they give it to... Sarandon, right? Sarandon, yeah, which is a really fun because it's like she probably should have won the Oscar out of the five. Maybe. It's, it's the only one here I haven't it. seen yet because I'll get to it eventually. You will indeed. Show. You said you're, you're saving it, right? Did you watch another one in the 94 year for this? Uh, no, because when I did Nell... I watched Little Women and Tom and Viv then, and I didn't want to right. rewatch any of that. Uh, but I did rewatch Tootsie for this. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. To come full circle to talk about both of her wins back to back. And uh, I like her in that a lot more than I remembered. Uh, she's, yeah, she's really quite, and she's quite, she really does straddle the line between supporting and lead, doesn't she? I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, just because no? so much of the movie is about is like fundamentally about her character not being in the loop to the plot until the very yeah. end like so much of the movie is about her being tricked into the the facade I and mean, like everyone is being tricked into the facade except bill murray uh but like because all of her scenes were so specifically from the point of view of Dustin Hoffman's character that like she's in it a lot but she's in it in reference to him the whole time I don't think that makes her any less a, a co-lead oh yeah no I, I think she she's like the female lead of the movie but I don't think she's she necessarily has the the juice to warrant a a lead actress nomination I think it's yeah it's rightful placement um and it's a very good performance. Uh, I, I need to retract some statements. Necessary, maybe I don't know. Yeah, no, but it's it's one of those ones where, say, you have Terry Gar in it, who is so fantastic and giving a very different flavor of a performance in a very different role to what the film is assigning to its its actors. And you do think, well, within the constellation of Tootsie, Jessica Lange is the lead. Uh, yes. You know, a co-lead with Dustin Hoffman, Terry Garza, a supporting actress, and say Bill Murray as a supporting actor, Sidney Pollack a supporting actor as well. Um, almost you want to give Sidney Pollack a supporting actor nomination for that because he's so he's so good. He is um, he is very good in that. Terrific. Bill Murray's also really good in that. Too. Bill Murray's like very Bill Murray though, whereas I feel like Sidney yeah. Pollack, yeah, Sidney Pollack's always Sidney Pollack, but I feel like in that he's he uses himself really well. Yeah, um, Charles Durning is also really good in that. Oh, so good. maybe Charles Durning's the best supporting actor performance of that film, and he did get a nomination that year yeah. for a different film, which um, I've covered, which you you have covered. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think Lang is giving a lead performance in a different way to that same year where she's giving Francis. It's, it's it's one of those Lang is one of those performers that proves it's a lot about the context of the year, like so much so, because she is giving two lead performances in 1982 and wins Best Supporting Actress for one of them in a performance you could justify as supporting. And then she wins Best Lead Actress in a year where she is definitely a lead actress. You know, she's she's going for all of the... Um, she fits all the rules that a usual lead actress fits, yet it is a year in which you wish 
you know, like BAFTA nominated Uma Thurman for lead actress, which seems like a bit of a stretch, but still in a year where she competed in lead, you'd probably give her the win because of how iconic and like, you know, changing, like yeah. how, how, how that performance has lasted. And Olivia Coleman won for lead and it's a film, you know, a performance where she is not in a lot of that film, but she has a presence that permeates the entire thing and the entire year. Yeah. So you could have even justified like putting Robin Wright in lead for Forrest Gump. Yeah. Which I'm kind of surprised they didn't because if they, if they did, they would have gotten nominations for her and Sally Field. And as it, Mm, as it happens, they didn't get either. But like, it's so weird that Sally Field didn't get a nomination for that. I think it's the weirdest thing in the world because she got nominations for so much less in films that had no actual credible yeah. Best Picture winning potential, and that is like the biggest Best Picture win of the nineties. And, and it's Sally Field too. Sally, Sally Field, Field she's so good in it. In a movie that's bad, she's good in it. She's like, like the best part of that film. I think she's the good part of that film. Yeah, the good part. I haven't seen it in a while, but I hate it in my mind. I'm like, it can't be that bad. And I just don't want to watch it again. Yeah, you have no reason to. It's not good. <laughs> um, but yeah, crazy that she didn't get nominated for that. Also crazy that Robin Wright didn't get nominated for that. Robin like, Wright Penn, never, never been nominated, right? That's yeah. a silly question to ask. I know that, but like, yeah, she's <laughs> never been nominated. And that's the closest and most credible nomination I think she could have ever got. Yeah, she got she got some kind of nomination somewhere, maybe Globes or BAFTA. She got SAG nominated, or both of them got SAG nominated. SAG oh. supporting actress this year goes two for five, I think. Uh, it was Diane Weist and Uma Thurman, and then both of them. Let me look up who the other one was because I didn't write this down. Ninety four. Mm, yeah, because this is the year where like River Wild plays into precursors, but not the it Oscars. Was... Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies, who, oh, who gets wins the, Globe the Golden Globe for lead. lead in a comedy. So there's a lot of category fudge, fudging, you know, this year between yeah. you know, lead supporting and yeah, at, like at New York or not New York, um, at National Society of Film Critics, Samuel L. Jackson is runner up in lead actor and supporting actor. He's second place Wild. in both. Because... He gets a Barry Fitzgerald kind of yeah. We don't know where to put him. Well, like, and I love that Samuel Jackson wins the BAFTA. I'm pretty sure in '94. And Landau, right. I think, gives one. I think of also the best... in lead, right? No, no, no. Does he win because okay, Hugh yeah. Grant wins for right. lead for Weird. for weddings and Kirsten Scott? Oh wait, no, hang on. I must be wrong because um. Oh no, no, I might be right. Because I feel like a load of people from Four Weddings get BAFTA nominations for supporting, like as in Simon Callow and the Scottish one who says turn back the clocks. They all get nominations. Yes, yeah. It's Grant, Sarandon, Jackson, Thomas are the four winners at BAFTA this year. Uh the other best actress nominees at BAFTA while we're here. Uh, Irene Jacob for Three Colors Red which is a very good performance in a movie oh, yeah. that got other Oscar nominations that mm-hmm. Best should have... director. Yeah. And then Linda Fiorentino in The Last Seduction, oh, which was ineligible. My winner. My winner. Yeah, I haven't it seen it on TV. But... Yeah. Oh, it rules. It should have won Best Actress. Like, she's so good. Apparently, she's terrible to work with. So the Men in Black, including Tommy Lee Jones, um, attest, apparently. They yeah. wouldn't do the sequel if she was back. So, yeah. 
but she is absolutely phenomenal in the last seduction and should have won the oscar but she wasn't eligible so yeah speaking of winners this one what Mm -hmm. what, how i mean (laughs) we we talked about it like it's all career this is a career win which is strange because you don't really get many career wins on a second win and we talked about this as well Mm. but it's just odd this is a a win for her in a year uh, where she's up against four, uh, no, three people that hadn't won before because Jodie Foster had won twice. Yeah. Uh, but Sarandon, who was on a hot streak of they really wanted to give her an Oscar, mm-hmm. uh, Winona Ryder's second nomination in a row, which was mm-hmm. kind of a surprise nomination because I don't think she showed up at any of, like she's not even Globe nominated uh, mm-hmm. in drama or comedy, which you could have put that in either kind of like you could justify a, a comedy nomination oh, yeah. for that in the sense that like it's a romance ish like they've they've made more egregious placements oh yeah uh, yeah 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 this is a really we like have you looked up the golden globes 94 best actress field because it's um jamie lee curtis winning for true lies it's it's emma thompson and junior right emma thompson jr which is a terrible film in which she does her best and is not anywhere near an oscar but then you've got um shelly mclean for defending miss something 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 where yeah. she plays like the widow of the president weird she's yeah weird and then gina davis for a film called speechless where she her she and um michael keaton play political speech writers I watched it and I cannot remember anything from it, but I think that's the last time Gina Davis gets like an like an awardsy nomination, really. Yeah. And then someone else, like is oh, it... Andy Andy yeah. McDowell. I was gonna for, say, is it not Andy um, McDowell? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Who is not great in for weddings? I mean, she's fine, but she's the least charming part of that very charming film, and I feel like gets you know heaped a lot of um criticism upon her for that film because she's playing quite a badly written character but it's not her fault but still not the best performance so it's a really weird year for um comedy where like none of the globes factor into the oscars yeah really at all Um, yeah and obviously jamie lee kess narrative of never being nominated very much has been turned on its head in the last year where she's has an oscar for a film that or a performance that people will you know deride for the rest of time because it seems like a very weird win and it still yeah. is and it always will be yeah yeah strange strange year for best actress in general um i don't even like as i've talked about it before i talked about it a lot when i did nell what do you think of Nell? okay what do you think of jodie foster and Nell? it's like one of the strangest nomination nominated performances i've ever seen i almost admire it as much for its audacity as i do recoil from its strangeness i mean like chimwe mukapi that's chimwe mukapi that's all i really remember and you know she's basically a supporting character it's mainly richardson and neeson leading it and she's the you know non-verbal or non-english speaking character they find in a cupboard who dances naked at the on a rock in the lake and it just feels like a fever dream that entire film and honestly if she had not won the oscar 
three years before, she would have won the Oscar again for this. I think. It's... Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. If she if she didn't Baffling. have two, like even if she had won yeah. before, but if she hadn't won for the accused, I think she wins. This is the one that I weirdly stick up for for some really? reason. I don't know why, but when I watched it for this podcast, I was like, you know what? She's fine. She's not terrible. It's, it's she's not bad. It's yeah. just a really strange. It's weird. It's film. weird. But I, I, it worked for me to some degree. I thought it was, uh, certainly more engaging than this one. I, I certainly had an easier time watching that one and paying attention and like formulating thoughts on it. It's not great. It's not perfect by any means. Yeah. But I, there's stuff in there that I thought was uh, interesting and compelling and kind of well done. And I thought she was fine. Uh, uh, I mean, but... Liam Neeson and Natasha Richardson, hot. Yes, in it. Like, where they and get that's together. where they fell in love. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, maybe if there's like a queer or um, sapphic reading of Nell, that would be quite interesting because it's very much like you know heteronormativity encroaching upon this unknown singular person who is played by a very you know like coded lesbian uh, actress who is a who is a queer person you know there's probably a really interesting angle there to take that you could analyze that film through of queerness but i don't think it's there in the text you'd really have to impose it upon it but yeah that film is bizarre and i don't think many people have seen it other than like avid oscar watchers because it's yeah. it's a lone acting nominee but it's a really standout lone acting nominee because it's so odd bonkers yeah yeah crazy. crazy movie um how do you feel about these other nominees here just like briefly well so we have um tom and viv which is the miranda richardson nomination and of course starring opposite your your main man wonderful yeah. as he's, he's not even good in it that's is uh, it's that, that's kind of nothing of a movie like even less than this like it's just i don't know yeah, and like, and it also co-stars uh, Rosemary Harris, who gets a Best Supporting Actress nomination, and she is an actress who everyone knows as Aunt May in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, and of course she's a very well-accomplished stage actress in the UK, and she's turned in many great performances, but it's so sad that her one nominated performance is for such a meh, bleh, you know, role. Like, nominate this woman for Spider-Man 2. You know, oh, sure, you know, go for it. I know she, I never, she never would, but she gives that speech to Peter where she like the 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 beautiful thing in the writing or the performance of that. She knows he's Spider Man, but she never gives it away, or she just she's just like on the cusp of giving it away. You can never read her, and I love her in that. And she just came out for the SAG ticket. Did you see her? Yeah, with her. Yeah, she's still going. And she, did you know she's Jennifer Ely's mother? I did, but I forgot that. Yeah, that's cool bit of ne- nepotism but um yeah um so yeah tom and viv i don't really remember anything about the uh, miranda richardson's performance in that but she's such a good actress with so many good performances and the things she's nominated for just are like tokenistic of her wider career because in the uk she was really famous for being in blackadder yeah um, she's so huge, good on Blackadder. yeah she's so God. good like that performance has defined so much of acting going forward it's like if you see Helen Bonham Carter and most things it's you yes. trace it back to Miranda Richardson in um Blackadder too and she's fantastic but you know her nominations 
Like, I think she gets nominated for Damage. Damages? Damage? Damages. Which, yeah, what is the title of that movie? I think it's just Damage. I think it's just Damage. Damages is the Glenn Close Close, TV show. Yeah. Um, but damage and like that's the same year as the crying game it's the same year as enchanted april like it's a big year for her but the most anonymous of the films she's featured in like she should have been nominated for crying game probably yeah um yeah so i don't have much to say about that other than there's so many better performances to honor that incredible actress for and then the fifth is winona Ryder. yes who's good and also susan who Oh, uh, Susan. Sorry, sorry. Fourth is well, but, Winona yeah. and fifth is Susan. But Susan's the one that I won't have anything to say uh, uh, about. Until you cover her, yeah. Until I cover it. But I think Winona Ryder, really good. Like, who knows how her career might have gone if she'd won an Oscar. Yeah. At this point, you know, because her career really, like, didn't flourish afterwards. And obviously she's arrested for shoplifting in the early 2000s. But, you know maybe that could have given her the boost and honored her in the way that she should have been honored. But um, Sarandon had the Oscar right around the corner. She won for this. She might have even won for Dead Man Walking and done a sort of Forrest Gump, you know, Philadelphia, Tom Hanks, you know, consecutive run. But um, maybe the 95 actress race is so competitive that it gave way to Sharon Stone or, you know, it's an interesting what if, but I think this year belongs to Sarandon and it's just the genre that kept her back. But places like BAFTA overlooked that and said, hey, you know, she is kind of the best. But in a field for BAFTA where they overlooked Lang entirely, even though it came from Tony Richardson, who is like foundational British director, like of the Richardson dynasty, as in, uh, oh, well, Vanessa Redgrave and uh, Natasha Richardson, you know, these are... This that's the, their sort of acting dynasty. Um, so coming into this year, of course, with Nell, but um, Vanessa Redgrave, of course, a big. We've mentioned her before in this this mini series, and yeah, I think Tony Richardson was sort of forgotten by the time this film came out because he died and his fingerprint was no longer on it. So yeah, yeah, it's just a bit of a wasteland, a bit of a depressing wasteland of what ifs. This best actress field that just shook out as Langs and it's not too egregious when there's not a righteous winner that she robbed it from much like yeah. say, Oh, if they'd only held back what's love got to do with it anyway, then, you know, um, Angela Bassett wins this year in a cakewalk, but we don't yes. have that because she went up against a really strong field and lost. Exactly. Exactly. I've got a quiz for you. Uh, well, we're thinking I love of winners. A quiz. So, uh, w- like we've been mentioning, we're talking about a winner on a lone nomination. So I went through and I pulled not every actress that has won for a lone nomination, but mm. a handful of them, thirteen. Okay. Uh, and for <gasps> each actress, I have selected five character names that they played. Uh, oh. In in order of of getting easier and easier. Uh, for each of these sets, the fourth one on the list is going to be the performance that they won their Oscar for. And if they have multiple Oscars, it's the performance they won on a lone nomination. And then if you don't get it from there, the fifth one is a gimme. Uh, but we'll go through all these, uh, not in any particular order. Uh, okay. And here we go. Your first name okay. is uh, Commander Francesca 
Frankie Cook? <gasps> oh, I have no idea. My first thought went to Eileen Brennan, and she she didn't win, so no. Next, Your next one, name please. is Athena. <gasps> that sounds like a goddess. Athena. Like Athena. No, no, no. Give me the next one. Uh, Kate Libby slash Acid Burn, also known as Acid Burn. Oh, sounds like a 60s film. Oh, oh, is it? Is it? <gasps> Wait, no. Is it Goldie Horn? It's not. Oh, okay. Uh, Give me the next Your next thing. name, the Oscar winning name, Lisa Rowe. Is it Marissa Tomei? It's not. Mm. And your last name here is Laura Croft. Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Oh, uh, is, is Acid any... Burn for like hackers or whatever? Acid Burn is hackers. Do you have any guesses oh. on the others? Uh, Athena? That. Oh, is that um, Eternals? It's Eternals. And then uh... Uh, any guesses on uh, Commander Francesca Frankie Cook? Commander, when she's no, she's got What's an that? airship, maybe. It's she's a... got an airship. Sky captain in the world of tomorrow. <gasps> Didn't know she was in that. Yeah. Okay. She's got an. I eye need patch. to watch that because it's got Lawrence Olivier as a hologram. I it sure that. does. Your next one, uh, first name is Queen Victoria. Um, Judy Dench. No. Uh, I no. threw that one in there because like so many people have played Queen Victoria. Uh, your next name, Gertrude Stein. Oh, oh, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, uh, lone winner for Misery, plays Queen Victoria in the Jackie Chan Around the World in Eighty Days. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With yeah. Steve Coogan. Yeah. Yes. Uh, next up, your first name is Jade Tan. Jade Tan. Ooh, I don't know. Give me another clue. Your next name is Jane Hudson. Oh, that rings a bell. <gasps> that's wait, no, that's in Tarzan. Um, isn't it? Uh, no. Oh. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> uh, your next name, Christina Drayton. Oh no, no. Give me another clue. Eva Lovelace. <gasps> oh wait, Ava the, or Eva? Eva could be Ava. Uh, Eva, Ava. Lovelace. No, I. Oh, that that's the well. Oscar win. <gasps> that, oh. that one is. Oh, Lovelace. Mm. Okay, I might have to get a gimme. Lovelace. Mm. Oh no, no. Do you have a guess? No, give... Okay. No, no. <laughs> your gimme is Eleanor of Aquitaine. Well, oh, isn't that a Catherine Hepburn? Yes. Catherine Hepburn, lone winner for Morning Glory. Oh. Her first my, nomination. I love. Okay, so Lovelace. Yeah, that's Morning Glory. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. oh uh, okay. Christina Drayton is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Jane Hudson. I thought I would trip you up, trip you up uh, thinking of baby Jane Hudson from whatever happened. Yes, yes. That's her character in Summertime. And Jade Tan is her character in Dragon Seed, where she's playing an Asian woman. Where she's in Yellowface. Yes. And it got an acting nomination for something, I think. Yeah. Uh, for Alice uh, McMahon? 
I think it was Gail Sondergaard, right? No, that's for an, a different the movie. Forty six with Yellow Face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, either way. Okay. Next up, uh, your first name is Lila Crane. Oh, that does ring a bell. But you're gonna have to give me another hint. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Sarah Harding. Oh, is this a recent win? Relatively. Okay, give me another hint. Sarah Harding, though. Oh. Linda mm. Partridge. They sound British. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, give me another hint. So uh, the winning one. The, the Oscar-winning performance, Alice Howland. Alice Howland. Still Alice. Yes. Yes. But her name is not still Alice. Her name is... Alice Howland? No, the, the actress. Ju- oh, Julianne Moore. Yes, Julianne Moore. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I thought I said that. Yeah, uh, Linda Partridge in Magnolia. Dr. Oh. Sarah Harding in The Lost World Jurassic Park. Yes, because when you said that, I thought Laura Dern. And I was like, no, but she didn't win for a lone acting nominee. Yeah. Even though I was thinking of the wrong Jurassic Park film. And then the and one before was... Lila Crane is the Gus Van Sant Psycho remake. She's the sister I... that comes in at the end. I once stuck up for that in a university lecture. They like came, it brought, they brought it up as like, oh, you know, this is a bad film. And I went, no, it's actually quite good. And then I like checked my review on Letterboxd. And I was like, no, I didn't like this film, but <laughs> it's interesting. It's an, it, it's a, 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 a bold swing. I think I'll, I'll it's a fascinating, that. I didn't regret watching it. Let's just say yeah. that. But, you know. um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. The next one. This is a good I, quiz. I'm enjoying. I'm, I'm glad. I hope other people are too. Uh, your first name is Adele Invergordon. Ooh. She has my name in there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, your next name, Candy Kendall. Great name. Yeah. <gasps> is this um, Goldie Hawn? It's not, although that is mm. a good guess. Okay. Your next name is Morticia Adams. <gasps> so this is... Wait, mm-hmm. is this Charlize Theron? Charlize Theron. I thought I would trip you up because I forgot that she was the voice of Morticia in those animated Adams Family movies. Any guesses on where Candy Kendall or Adele in- Invergordon are from? Um, Candy Kendall. Is that the... from Devil's Advocate? I don't no, know. that's her character in the Cider House Rules. Oh, God. Um, um, and the one before was Ad- Adele Invergordon is uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance. Never, I do want to watch that film because it it has um, Jack Lemmon narrating it. So, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. Your your next one first name is Tallulah. Just Tallulah. Just Tallulah. Tallulah. Um. Hmm. I'll guess. I'll guess, um, oh gosh, oh no, it's not a lone acting nominee, so no. I don't know, give me a, I was going to guess um, Mira Savino, but that got a writing nomination. It so, sure no. did. Uh, your next yeah. name, uh, Anna Leonowens. Leonowens. I don't know how that name is pronounced. Is it Marissa Tomei? It's not. Oh, okay. Your next name, Annabelle and Ellen Andrews. So she's playing two characters. Tilda? No, 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 because she didn't... Oh, no, just give me the next clue, because she didn't win for yeah. a loan acting. Your role. next name is Clarice Starling. 
So it bet she didn't work for a loan. Oh wait, no, you're right. That's not the right name that I should have put in there. She oh uh, yes, yeah, but yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, Sarah, yeah, okay. whatever her name is, in the accused. Yeah, it's Jodie Foster. It's yeah. Jodie Foster. Yeah. I forgot the rules of my own game as I was writing it. Uh, no, no, I, we we yes, got that. Uh, we got that. Just Tallulah in Bugsy Malone. Bugsy Malone. Yes, Anna Leon Owens in Anna and the King. It's the, the which the... is the 1946 film we were trying to think of where Gail Sondergaard got got the nomination. So it is. Uh, and then any guesses on Annabelle and Ellen Andrews? Is it Alicia? No. Uh, think of so they they both have the same last name. Uh, Think of other ways that two characters might have the same last name that aren't siblings. Married. No. Descendants. Not, yes. Not a usual way in which a, a, a an actor might portray two characters in a movie. So but, like mother and daughter or like yes. oh, years of... Oh, no. Mother and daughter? Yeah. It's a movie that's been remade. Uh, uh, with an actress we were just talking about for winning a Golden Globe. Whoa. True Lies? No. Yeah. Well, go what? from there. Who won for True oh, Lies? Oh, Freaky Friday. Freaky Barbara. Friday. Yeah, yeah, The original yeah, yeah. Freaky Barbara. Friday, because yeah, yeah. she, she plays 76. both of them. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, with you, Body Swap. Okay. Uh, that's a that's a fun film. I've seen the... I've. I've seen the the new one ages ago, but yeah. the new the seventy six one recently. Good fun. Good I don't fun. think I've seen Barbara the original. Um, yeah, I'm looking at these names I picked for this next person. Why did I pick these movies? Okay, uh, your first name is Juarez. Is it Bette Davis? No, your second name is Pilar Estravados. I don't know. Your next name is Angelica. Oh, is it? I'm thinking older then. Um, is it? Oh gosh. Da, 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 da. Mm. Yeah, uh, Olivia de Havilland. No, your next name is okay. Maria Elena. Is this what they won for? Yes. Maria Elena. Is it Anne Baxter? I don't know. No, and your last name, uh, Donatella Versace. It's Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz, uh, winner uh, for Vicky, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Those names that I pulled because she doesn't have a lot of like necessarily notable characters in her career. Yeah. Uh, I just went with like what are the weirdest bad movies I can pull for her. So Angelica is from Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Of course. Pilar Estravados is her character in the Murder on the Orient Express remake. And yes. Juarez is the character she voices in G-Force. Of course. Which the, I the didn't know she film. was in. I saw that movie at like a premiere when it came out or some like, because like I was a what? kid. We, we were like visiting uh, friends in California around when that Whoa. came out. I was like seven. And like, all I remember is that like in the, lo- maybe it wasn't a, a premiere, but like the lobby where we saw it had like a huge like event like a G-Force themed event with there was like an obstacle course you could go through and there was merch. And it's very weird to think about that now because why was there, why were they rolling out that much for G-Force? Oh, the budget was huge for G-Force. They thought it was going to be like a huge deal. And it, it wasn't. Kind of bombed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, your next one. First name, 
how many more of these do we have? Uh, six more. We'll we'll okay. get through them. Okay, your first yeah. name is Ida Horowitch. Ida, Ida. Um, mm, Jennifer Jones. And uh, no, your next name is Lisa Provolone. Lisa Provolone. Meryl. I'll guess Meryl. No, I don't think she, any of her uh, wins are on loan nominations. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. even Iron Lady, which should... Yeah. Uh, that's a two-time winner. Uh, Mabel Normand. <gasps> oh, that rings a bell. That's a, that's real, a real life person, person, isn't it? It is. Mabel Normand. It's not the mm. subject of the movie. Uh, it's a, about someone else, but that's... So, like, like her character is not the lead of whatever Mabel Normand is from. Yeah, so, like, someone and Mabel was in the background or whatever. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know, though. Nicole Kidman. No. Uh, your next name, the Oscar-winning name, Mona Lisa Vito. What? Someone won an Oscar for playing someone called Mona Lisa. Oh, is it Marissa Tomei? This one's Marissa Tomei. She's hey. Mabel Normand in Chaplin. Right. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Lisa Provolone in Oscar. Uh, second time in a row we're talking about the movie Oscar on this podcast. Yeah, never seen it. And then uh, Ida Horowitz in The Ides of March. Oh, she plays the Ida of March. Okay. Yes, exactly. Um, next up, your first name is Quentin Compson. Oh, um, is it um, is it Christopher Plummer? No, these are all actresses. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, Quentin, though. Apparently. Um, oh, Linda Hunt. Uh, no. Uh, next up, Beatrice Hunsdorfer. Oh. Um, uh, no, that person didn't win for a loan. Oh, oh no. Mm uh rachel vice no i got more than one yeah uh rachel cameron is your next name no no idea rachel cameron and halfway no oh because she's not playing rachel in that she's no i know rachel is uh uh, but you really stressed the rachel i did you want to take another stab at it before I give you the Oscar name, or someone who's a famous Rachel? In yeah, a, a Rachel in a movie. That's... Rachel in a movie. Something and Rachel and Rachel and Rachel and Rachel. Rachel and Rachel. Um, Joan Woodward. Joan Woodward. Yeah, yeah, okay. you got that. He coached me there. Yeah. Yes, Oscar winner for the Three Faces of Eve. Uh, four more. Your first name is Constance Langdon. That does ring a bell. Wait, Langdon is, well, Langdon is CIA, I think. Lang something. Langdon. Oh, but Robert Langdon, Richard Langdon is a character in something. Maybe I'm way off. Cape Blanchett. I don't know. No, your next name is no. Jewel Ivy. Great name. Um, I'm trying to think of lone nominees now for winning. It's hard. Is it hard? Probably not for you. No, I have him in front of me. 
Well, no, no, but generally, if I was giving this to you... Oh, yeah, no, I would not yeah. get any of these, like, anywhere near... Uh... No, oh, don't downplay yourself. I'm, I'm sure you would. Brenda, Brenda Fricker. I don't know. Uh, no, your next name is Cora Papadakis. Also, oh, playing a Greek character, potentially, maybe. Um... Leela Kadrova, or what if the name no. of the actress was who who won for Silver the Greek? Your next name, the winning name, is Carly Marshall. Is it Eileen Heckart? No, Something like that. No. And your oh, last no. name is Francis Farmer. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Two of those it's... are movies we talked about. One of That's them. That's why they rang a bell. One of them is this movie. Carly Marshall name? is Blue Sky. I honestly like I'm right. not even kicking myself for that because they never I say know. I can't remember that at all. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's Jessica Lang. Yes. That, that was gonna come up, wasn't it? Of yeah. course it was. Cora Papadakis is her character in The Postman Always Rings Twice, which you yes. just watched. Yeah. Jewel Ivy is her name in country, which I pointed out during the episode. Isn't it crazy that her name is Jewel Ivy? Oh, uh, yeah. And then Constance Langdon is uh, her American horror story murder house character. Oh, I threw I've that never seen that, to yeah. be fair. I threw those all in there, mostly just to be like, isn't it crazy we've been talking about her all this time and none of these movies are memorable? Yeah. If you give me her music box character, I would have known it like that. Anne Talbot, I think is that name? Yes. Yeah. I think so. So maybe you wouldn't have. Who knows? <laughs> no, um, no. But yeah. if you'd said Patsy Klein, Patsy Klein I yeah. would have known. Yeah, okay. Three more. Your first name is Patricia Alabama Brent. Patricia Alabama Brent. This is also someone that it was hard to find a lot of like notable names for, so I just I just went with the weirdest ones. Ooh, ooh, okay. Um uh, I'm trying to think of people who got loan nominations. Oh, no, that wasn't loan. Um, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, I'll go for something quickly. 83, best supporting. I can't even remember who won best supporting actress. That was Linda Hunt, who you've already said. Uh, oh, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. I'll go later. Da, 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 90s, 2000s. Um, I mean, it could have been Linda Hunt. It's not, but... Yeah, that, that would have actually yeah. been a good I don't thing. know why I said that. who you've already said. For, you said that for a different answer. It like <laughs> that, that, If it was Linda Hunt and I just tried to throw you off the scent like that, that would have been a That would game. be where you could be playing a really long, mean game here. No. Okay, I'll go for... Oh, no, it wasn't alone. The thing is, the more I think about it, the harder it gets. Yeah. I'll go for... Oh, it's not alone. Um... You can pass also <laughs> if you want. Yeah, just give me the next hit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stanley Timberlake Kingsmill. Whoa. What? Stanley? Apparently. Um... Oh. Also, speaking of male names, uh, uh, back to the Joanne Wood Woodward ones we didn't say. Uh, Quentin Compson is her character in The Sound and the Fury, and Beatrice Hunsdorfer is the effect of gamma rays on Man in the Moon Marigolds. I've always wanted to see. Apparently, that's. A film she got so into that she couldn't break out of it. Like Interesting. the method of it. If you watch the Ethan Hawke documentary on her and Paul. Yeah. Um, I'll go for uh 
eighties. It's earlier, I will say. This is an earlier one. Early. Okay. I'll go for Ethel Barrymore. No, although that's a good guess. Uh, your next one is okay. Regina Giddens. Is it Anne? What's she called? Revere. No, your next one, her Oscar win uh, for a low nomination is Joyce Heath. Oh. Alone. Ah. Gosh, okay. So let me just cast my mind back to the 1950s. I don't know. Um, Ooh, is it... Fifty-seven? No, fifty. No, fifty-nine. No. This is this is tough being put on the spot with these, even though they're all in my head. Yeah. Nineteen sixty. Oh, I'm just gonna have to guess someone. Oh, 61, Oh, is it Margaret Rutherford? It is not. Uh, oh. And your last name here, the gimme name, is Baby Jane Hudson. It's Bette Davis. Betty Davis, yes. Alabama Betty Brent Davis. in Parachute Jumper. Uh, Stanley oh. Timberlake Kingsmill in In This Our Life. Regina Giddens mm-hmm. in The Little Foxes. And Joyce Heath in Dangerous. I watched her in a film just the other day. My beloved. I'm yes. so sorry. Uh, two more here. And then I don't have anything else to say in this episode. Well, we'll we should do wrap up on the, the miniseries as a whole. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, your first name is Anna Jessen. Is it someone I've mentioned? I don't think so. Okay. Um, Greer Garson. No, your next name is Mama Contini. Ooh. Ooh. Um, is it uh, I'm trying to even think of it no pass give me another your one. next name is Maria Sofia Coletta Raghetti whoa whoa is this an old film that one an is old... not especially is it Sophia Loren it is Sophia Loren uh, as Maria Sofia Coletta Raghetti in Grumpier Old Men. Of course. As uh, Mama Contini in Nine. Yes. And Anna Jessen in a TV movie of Brief Encounter in 1977 oh, yeah. with, with Richard, Richard Burton. Burton, which mm-hmm. uh, apparently he took at the last minute because Robert Shaw was going to be in it and he dropped out. Died. Oh, right, dropped out. Yeah. He also died quite young, I thought. Yes, I think he, he died not too long after that. But uh, yeah. yeah. And your last one here. First name is Mrs. Claus. Oh, is it Goldie Hawn? It is Goldie Hawn. Yeah. Mrs. Claus in the Christmas Chronicles. Yeah, yeah. In both of them. Yeah, both of them. Uh, And that that was that game. I didn't do everyone, but uh, I hope you liked it. I hope that was fun for you. Uh, And I hope it was fun for you, the listener, as well. And if not, uh, what are you going to do about it? I'm so sorry, but you know, yeah, that's some we already recorded it. Too bad. I hope you you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to this, that means you listen to it. So, like, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) At the lone Oscar, don't though, don't at me. No, no, no. And tell us the tell us your score. Oh, yes, sure. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, 
score yourself however you want. I didn't give guidelines for it, but uh, but like, say you get like five for the first guess, four for the second, three sure. for the, you know, hey, I want to, I want to know anyone that's played along and probably beat me. Yeah, if you played along at home, uh, give us a score. Let's do some wrap up. Let's we're we're at the end of this mini series. We're we're done yeah. here. Let's uh, what are our closing thoughts on? We'll save closing thoughts on Blue Sky to the end. But what okay. do we think? How do we come down on the Jessica Lang career at this point? Now, uh, twelve years. No, how many years deep into like her career at large? Twelve years well, into her Oscar career. So Eighteen. Like, yeah. Eighteen from King Kong. Yeah. Uh, and but that's from when this film obviously gets released. But you know, it's it's yes. a weird one. This last where you know it's filmed before Cape Fear, before The Night in the City. It's, you know, she's an actress who is so compelling and so dynamic, yet did not get the best projects, but got the um, praise that is really lacking from a lot of people who do really deserving work. So she almost got overhyped for under... Under... Underwhelming? Underwhelming work, but yet meets her talent and she is anointed with not just one but two oscars in both lead and supporting um one in each you know and she deserves that as an actress of her caliber yet the film she wins for maybe are not fair but they may have they should have gone to other people yet she is an actress who is oscar worthy yeah Oscar worthy and more than just one Oscar, I'd say. You know, there's plenty of actresses out there that serve at least one and don't even have one. But she is rather sensational, always compelling, yet does not have the best selection of films at all and doesn't have yeah. tons of films anyway. So the worst, the bad ones stick out even more because they are so heavily reliant on her. She's so much the star of them and she just doesn't make tons of films. Yeah, like uh, this is a, a bit of a tangent, but I'll bring it back to Jessica Lang. There's mm. a there's an Onion article that I love that's like quote unquote written by Meryl Streep. That's uh, have I ever starred in a masterpiece? Mm. Which is like it's from her point of view. Like my friends and I were sitting around talking about my career, and we sort of came to the conclusion that like I've never been in a masterpiece. Like. You know, you look at her contemporaries of, of like male actors, like Nicholson has Cuckoo's Nest in Chinatown, Pacino has The Godfathers and Dog Day Afternoon, uh, De Niro has his Raging Bull, Taxi Driver. Meryl Streep doesn't necessarily have one of those to her career. Uh, like, what? What is her best movie? Really, I mean, that's like for me. For me, it's adaptation. Yes, yeah. And say something like The Hours. I think those are masterpieces. And I think there are masterpieces in her filmography like Kramer versus Kramer maybe is on the edge. You know, that's the thing. So many of them are, so many of them, especially in that era. You know, Deer Hunter, yeah, that comes up in the article. It's like, Deer Hunter's great. But like, have you seen the Deer Hunter recently? I'm barely in. No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. And And so she's not maybe leading her masterpieces, whereas those male, you know, actors are are given that. And Jessica Lang, I think, is the point you're you're yes, bringing it back. To bring it back. Even like, less so. Yeah, like Jessica, like 
Jessica Lange doesn't even have a Kramer versus Kramer or a Deer Hunter. Like, why is Tootsie? Her Tootsie is, is Tootsie. Yeah, Tootsie's the closest you get to like a like a classic masterpiece that she's in. All that jazz again. She's barely in that. That is a masterpiece, but she like that's not a Jessica Lange movie. It's not. But of all the people in it, like you'd say Roy Schneider, maybe then Jessica Lange, then and. Real kid, like yeah. you know, there aren't that many people below Roy Schneider. Like he is the or Roy Schneider, sorry, he is the main attraction, and everyone's subordinate to him. And Bob Fosse is very much the star of that entire film. But that is a masterpiece, like for the ages. I think, like, yeah, I'd put that in a time capsule for the aliens to dig up oh, when definitely. the Earth is just ash and you know soot. You know, take that and do with it what you will, because it's got all the like you know excesses and imperfections of humanity it's i i adore that film but yes jessica lang i think ultimately i'd say her best film is big fish which is a film that she isn't a star of at all but yeah. she is very good in she's a part of but that film i think ages quite well i haven't seen it in a while but she you know it's just a fantastic film yeah um, a film that has not factored into our conversation at all because it comes 10 years after her Oscar win and she's a you know footnote in Oscar history for that f- film's Oscar potential which did not amount to much other than a um, score nomination so yeah she does not have a masterpiece like Meryl Streep barely has yeah and like Glenn Close at least has like Dangerous Liaisons and Fatal Attraction to a degree kind of like as as far as contemporaries of the 80s and like Seven, late she 70s has, to 80s yeah she has Glenn the has, natural the natural yeah, is yeah. more a film than say anything that you know um jessica lang made in the even the 80s big chill like the yeah, big chill yeah. like, which sucks but it's yeah it's a I, really important i also ride for the big chill i think oh it's no fun. Um, clap when the plane lands you know it's that kind <laughs> of <fuck off. laughs> no that's that's fair uh um but yeah no it's and then, like, Sissy Spacek has, like, Carrie and Badland. Carrie, yeah, and, yeah. And she, you know, rises, Faye Dunaway has Network, and she's kind of earlier than the era we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but, but if, like, you, if you say... In take that sort the... of mold of, of actress. Yeah, that Crimes of the Heart trio, you know, you've got Spacek, Keaton, and Lang in Diane tandem. Keaton has, not tandem, yeah. you know. Annie Hall Annie and Hall, The Godfathers. The Godfathers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she hasn't made anything good in like the last twenty five years. But you know, well, yeah. other than the Young Pope, which is incredible. And is Diane Keaton in the Young Pope? She's so good in the Young Pope. No I one ever talks about it because that. that no one saw that series, but it's so good. And then they made like the 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 newer the Pope new Pope or something. Yeah. The only thing that my only frame of reference for the Young Pope is that anytime I hear that title, I sort of sing it in my head to the the theme song of the Love Boat. Oh, go on. I'm not going to sing it out loud. Oh, no, okay. Just, no, I'm not, I'm not going to sing here. But uh, I don't know the love boat oh, theme. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I was brought up in the UK in, yeah. in the 21st century. I don't I've know also, love boat I haven't is. seen the love boat, but I, I oh. you can listen to it in your own time and have I'll go a little chuckle, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, a second follow up question while we're wrapping up here. Mm. Uh, what's your favorite? Jessica Lange performance outside of her six nominations. 
performance, mm. not necessarily movie. Well, my favorite performance, I think, I think it would have to be Grey Gardens and that we do have to pay respect to that because it's almost like the best Oscar nomination that never was for her, of course, because yeah. it was a TV movie, but she's so phenomenal in that. Although for anyone that's seen the Grey Gardens dramatized, dramatization, which I assumed was a Ryan Murphy production until I watched it and it's it almost predates the Ryan Murphy ification of Fox. Um, and of Jessica Lang. And of Jessica Lang. Um Drew Barrymore is sensational. So good that she is better than Jessica Lang. However, Jessica Lang won the Emmy, I believe, and probably a Sounds Globe right. or got a Globe nomination. Um Jessica Lang's phenomenal, but Drew Barrymore gives the best performance I've ever seen from her and blows Jessica Lang out the water in a way in a phenomenal performance. So for anyone that's been listening to the series and hasn't seen the Grey Gardens um, like dramatization, highly recommend that because the documentary itself is just phenomenal. Yeah. But the TV show about it is phenomenal as well. So I should also probably watch that then. It's so good, yeah. but also um, Jessica Lang in Feud. Feud is like catnip for us, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, Oscar's dramatization come to life with all yeah. the camp and, you know, and Oscar winning actresses playing Oscar winning actresses, you know. You love to see it. Perfect. So she's really good as Joan Crawford in Feud, but I don't really see her as Joan Crawford. Like they're so different in my mind, whereas Sarandon fits a bit better as. Bet Davis, they have something a bit more akin, but um, I never saw um, Jessica Lang as Joan Crawford. I just saw her as playing a version of Lang, which worked. But that 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 TV show is fun. I like it. Yeah, but yeah. How about you? What's your favorite Lang? Uh the one because you know I knew I was going to be asking this question, so I had course, a bit more time to it. think. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, but the one that I've sort of been mulling over uh, for me is, uh, I should look up the character's name because I think I have it, but it might be a different character from the same thing. Give me a second to edit around this. Oh, I have that page also open. I could just look there. Uh, oh, I didn't remember that that was the character's name at all. Okay, never mind. Uh, as uh, Tamora in Titus the I've, julie oh, tamor Titus yeah, Andronicus. Yeah. it's a wild movie but it's very good and she is very good i mean everyone in that is very good hopkins is great alan cumming is very good love a bit uh, coming yeah don't we all uh um where was i going with that titus sorry titus yes titus an oscar yeah. nominee for like set design and one Costume, right? Yeah. Costume design. Topsy Turvy won the like all the craft stuff that year. I love also that very film. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think she's she's very good in that, and it's one of the more memorable other performances from her because like I've seen Cape Fear, I've seen Big Fish, but I haven't seen them in a long time, and mm. probably since I like was aware of who Jessica Lang was. So I don't have those performances stuck in my brain as Jessica Lang performances, yeah, necessarily. So I, I would and have to not, rewatch. Yeah, yeah, they're not Jessica Lang films, but I would love after we've done this mini series and for anyone who's listened along to watch Big Fish or Cape Fear, or even go back to Tootsie and just watch these films where you're like, oh, Jessica Lang is in service of the plot and she's very much bringing her talent, but 
it's not this like so Jessica Lang vehicle which we have been doing. Yeah. Um, I'd love to rewatch Big Fish. I'm just really scared of the ending because I know I'm going to break down when he's carrying his dad towards the river and he's going like Albert Finney. I love Albert Finney. Let's do an Albert Finney miniseries. I think maybe you couldn't, but um, oh, yeah. also him and Lang, what a weird couple, but it kind of works um, with Finney and his I'm an American dad, which <laughs> is bizarre. He pulls off, but I, I just love Finney. Um, I'm not going to get on the Finney side. I I can't wait to go back and rewatch that film and pick out all the bizarre, incongruous performance like Lang against Kudrup and Cotillard and Danny DeVito. Finney and oh yeah, I mean like it's just a bizarre film that. Yeah, but I can't wait to rewatch it. But yeah, Lang. I I can't wait to see what she does next as well with this long day's journey into night. Like yeah, I, that is that like. As we have been talking about vehicles for her, like these films that give themselves over just to her performance and her power. I mean, that film has to, as you have covered before, um, Catherine Hepburn did it and got an Oscar nomination. I mean, why it couldn't happen again, you know, it definitely can. And I'm fascinated to see how that film gets rolled out and how she is next. You know she's going to be good, but how whether it captures the Oscar imagination and whether it's a quiet year or a busy year will really affect how, whether she factors into the conversation. Cause if it's a quiet year, she could very much be back in with a chance to win. And I've seen people on Twitter saying it could be her year next year. And I'm like, Hey, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? It, you it, never know with Lang. You truly don't. It is. It's always a wild card year as we've yeah. seen these past four weeks. Very strange anytime she'll she'll pop up. So one last question before we move on to our closing thoughts on Blue Sky. Uh, or no, let's do the closing thoughts on Blue Sky now and then save this for last. So, because I imagine this isn't going to take very long. Uh, in your fantasy world where you get to pick all the nominations, what nominations would you have given to Blue Sky? Zero. <laughs> for the I mean, fourth the, week running. For the fourth week running, yeah. I don't know. I mean... Yeah, not even TLJ, because this year you have, like, even the Oscar five are pretty solid for lead actor, because you've got Hanks winning for Forrest Gump, which I, I think is a film that, like, if he gave that performance now, he would be arrested, but um, it's quite a compelling performance for the time. I can't really take that away from that, but then you've got um, John Travolta, you've got Paul Newman, you've got Nigel Hawthorne, who's probably my winner, and who's the fifth? Morgan Freeman. In the Shawshank Morgan Redemption. Morgan Freeman. Who, like, a little movie favorite, called The Shawshank Redemption. A little favorite IMDb top 250. Top you know, one. Topper. Top one. Yeah. Um, but then you've got people like Hugh Grant, who's given a great performance in, you know, Four Weddings. And Samuel L. Jackson is a lead in that movie. If you want to, if you want to. Tim anyone's Robbins. That, yeah, who's annoying. Shawshank. But, you know. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot in that. So I wouldn't even give TLJ the the nom there even though i think he's as good as lang but i'd give my five actresses to five other people yeah. other than lang so i'm sorry yeah none zero how about yeah. you also zero big surprise zero. here um wow that leads have, me have, into oh no so we both agree on that for all of her nominations we would not nominate any all of her lone nominations all of her yes yes for francis and tootsie both i would, I would give at least a handful to you on there yeah um go on sorry so uh 
to close out this miniseries as our last thing here, how would you rank these four performances that we've been talking about? Well, let's go back and forth, number four to number one. Because I'm very, I'm curious about my own ranking. I might need a second to, to write some stuff down here and just process of elimination myself out. Well, I definitely know my number four. Definitely know my number four. My number four is country by a country mile. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to put blue sky as my number four. Whoa. What worse than country? Come on now. I don't think I don't think she's bad in country. I just think country's a nothing movie. I again, none of these performances are bad. None of these movies are good. Is that's that's the conclusion of the miniseries, isn't it? It is. None of these performances are bad, none of the films are good. Well, I disagree with that, but you know, I think that's quite a good Oh, not that none of them are I, I think none, none of them, them are great. great. None of them are great. Yes. Most of them are bad. None of these. Yes, 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 yes. So what's okay. your number three performance? My number three is Blue Sky. My number three is Country. Okay. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. So what's your number two? What's your number two? I asked you first. Oh, sorry, sorry. My number two is Sweet Dreams. My number two, kind of by default, is Music Box. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, then we know our number ones. Yeah. So my number one is Music Box. And mine is Sweet Dreams. I don't I... think you're wrong, though. I think you've got... It was quite close for me, but I thought she was better in the emotion... Like, the when Music Box, wor- music box works, she is better than she ever is in Sweet Dreams. But as a cohesive performance, I think she is pretty great in Sweet Dreams. Yet yeah, is the solid fifth of that fairly weak 1985 year so yeah and i also uh, like don't think music box works nearly as much as you do so yeah that doesn't help her for me but still made it to number two on my list which is saying something and then we both put her francis and tootsie above those four. Oh, absolutely absolutely I would put Francis yeah, at one yeah. and then Tootsie at two and then the rest I just said. I think I, yeah, I need to re- re-watch Francis, but I, at the moment I put Tootsie at, at number one and Francis at two. But I haven't seen Francis for a long time, so. Yeah. Subject to change. And I think that'll round out this miniseries. Thank you so much for joining me on this. Uh, for oh. Thank you for setting aside your month of August to talk about these movies. I'm sorry that it was the four movies that it was, no. but I had a good time talking about them with you. We've had, no, I've had, a, I've had a ball. It's been great talking about them with you and hopefully people have enjoyed listening to us. Muddling hopefully. Some, not, some, whoops. No, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but you know, it's a really strange pocket of Oscar history where you can have the through line of an actress that we all really love and really interesting years at the Oscars get films that don't lend themselves to the most fascinating of conversation we've wrung every morsel out that we can but um yeah 
I, do you know what she's an actress I have more appreciation for than Me I did too. starting this miniseries? I really respect her. I, I wish her better. Not just the best, but better than she's been given. And yeah. hey, who knows? We might have to do a reprise of this in a year's time when she gets that fifth lone acting nomination for Long Day's Journey Into Night. Yeah, if if Long Day's Journey Into Night gets a nomination for her or for one of the other actors in it, if that gets a nomination, an acting nomination and it is another lone nomination uh i reserve the right for you to return to speak on jessica lang that might have to be a a double episode a double guest because i might have you and david on uh david who was the guest on the long day's journey into night episode oh yeah just for fairness might might have that be a get uh get the whole gang back who was also on my last mini series yeah your 2006 one yeah yeah so, yeah, thank you again for uh, sticking around through all this. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug that you haven't plugged the past three weeks? No, no, just my uh, letterbox, which is steel, S-T-E-E-L-E-98, and my Twitter, or X, which is um, underscore almost original. Um, just keep an eye out on those and follow and interact and chat and whatever, yeah. those 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 are mine. Yeah, check those all out. You can find this show on X and Letterboxd at Lone Acting Noms and on Instagram at the Lone Acting Nominees. That'll be it for this episode and this mini-series. Thank you for listening. Why?